talk about the Discat presents the J Park Jammer 15, driven by Innova. Oh, wait, Alex, you didn't play, right? I did not play. Well, that was going to be my first question. Why did you not play, Alex? It just didn't work out. You know, I'm going to be honest here. I'm not great at J Park. <laughs> it's a course that I know I should play a lot more because it will help me work on things that I'm not as good at. But I've been beat up by J North so many times. I just didn't want to play that in a tournament setting. Yeah, no, absolutely. It makes sense. You ain't the only one. But yeah, that's that's a me thing. We learned last week that you don't do as many tournaments, at least not up to Corey's standard. So <laughs> no, he yeah. comes in just across the line. He had uh, eight rounds within a year. Psh, that's good enough for me. <laughs> and your spreadsheet works pretty well. You were off by one point. Yeah, it's that fuzzy math. <laughs> yeah, well, like you said, sometimes it, it rounds up. So mm-hmm. it looked like the ratings changed from Mindkill. That happens a lot. Like, you mean the round ratings uh, yeah. were different than what they said at the end? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what causes that. I'm sure someone knows. But, yeah, you, you you see that a lot where, like, they'll shift. Like, round one will go up a couple points, but round two will go down a couple points or whatever. Mm. Yeah, I, fi- I figured that affected your calculus, however that worked out. <laughs> it's just a simple algorithm. I mean, it works pretty well. Yeah. So we'll start off with Dark Horse picks, uh, starting with the listener picks. Miguel Thomas, he picked two people who don't have ratings, so... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that that was what I was going for initially with uh, that Lasasso kid. <laughs> Justin, yeah. But then it turned out he actually did have a rating, yeah. But uh, Miguel Thomas picked two people who don't ra- have ratings, but he did think Ryan Fish would shoot 850 and Krista Kovach would shoot 700 for the event and both would win their divisions. Ryan didn't shoot 850 and he didn't win his division, but he shot 842 and 840, so not far off. Krista Kovach shot 720 and 707, so beat 700 both rounds and won the division. So I don't know, that like half credit for Miguel? <laughs> That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Give him something for that. Some more of the listeners. Some people picked one or two people. Some picked three. We'll start with the people who picked one person. Eric Heinel. He said, my guy Harrison Lehman has ice in his veins. Uh, he shot one over his rating for Saturday, which, I mean, he shot his rating. That's why I didn't take Jamin, because I figured he'd shoot around his rating. You know, yeah. <laughs> He's in the positive, at least. Jeremy Whitaker went with Tucker Kozlowski, since he knows how much he loves Jay Park. He shot 21 points over. Not too shabby. Ryan Travis, 148343. <laughs> <laughs> Feels like Kenji is the pick. Kenji's an 878 rated player. He shot 898 and 882, so 24 points over his rating. A few people picked Kenji. Ryan also just picked Kenji. So they both had 24 points, 24 points over your rating in two rounds. It's not, not too bad. bad. Tucker Kozlowski picked Kristall or Randy Bemis. Kristall, he didn't shoot terribly by any stretch, but he didn't have a great day. So we'll give him Randy Bemis, who shot 41 points over his rating for the day. And if you do pick two people, you get the better of the two because there's no rules here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Kyle Hirsch said Corey Cook because he's on a little bit of a luck streak. And Anthony Bohansky is my light horse pick. Anthony Bohansky shot pretty much around his rating, maybe a little below. But Corey Cook shot 79 points above his rating. Yeah, nice rounds. I came to clap alien cheeks, and there was no aliens when I got there. <laughs> <laughs> a 940 rated, 984, and a 975. Yeah, that's everybody who just picked one. So, yes, Kyle Hirsch is our listener pick winner. We've not determined what a light horse is. I was thinking light horse meant closest to his rating, but Oh, and if that's the case, he might actually hmm. he might be right. I didn't do the math on that though, so sorry, Kyle. 
I don't think anybody else picked a light horse, so I think he wins by default. By default, that's a right. good point, Alex. This is good because we, we should have we should have dark horse, and that's going to be best above your rating. Light horse, which will be closest, <laughs> yeah, and then dead horse, which is <laughs> worst as compared to your rating. Oh, that's harsh. Yeah, but it lets us it lets us beat a dead horse. <laughs> Kyle and Anthony are like really good friends and they dig at each other a lot. So I assumed that uh, Anthony getting picked as his light horse was the dead horse pick. I <laughs> <laughs> could be too. Mm, but I still like that. We might have to try that. Moving on to people who picked three, which was the majority of us, and Brian Bickersmith. He took Joe Karen, Chandler Harvey, and Earl Steenberg. Earl didn't have a great weekend, but Joe and Chandler, I have them combined at 32 points over the rating for the three of them not bad not bad at all we'll take a look at jack bradley who made the biggest mistake anybody could picking two oh, assassos to play in the same I tournament know. that never happens dumb i mean they were <laughs> both registered i didn't realize they were going to be like flipping a coin in the parking lot to see who has to watch the kid <laughs> uh we had a babysitter too it's such a bummer mm. uh, mom was watching Killing the kids me. but jess had a engagement party to go to and there was enough time to go, but it was the weather was supposed to be really, really nasty. And she's like, I don't want to get in the middle of a second round, you know, be in contention to win and then have to like DNF on the last two holes to go make this party. And then also it was like pouring out for her to get ready for it and stuff. Right. Takes a lot of time for me. I ended up going too and made it there in time, but I just got changed in the car in the parking lot and drove down there. You're also a dude, so you could do that. I feel like she could have dropped me a note or something. <laughs> Despite that, you had Jason, who shot 56 points over his rating for the weekend, and Kat, who shot 63 points over her rating for the weekend. So you got 119 points with only two people. I'm happy with the with the outcome. Nicely done. Yeah. And that's a hell of a job, Kat. I mean, that's really, uh, that's nice rounds for Kat, too. Heck Yeah. 45 points over and 18 points over rating. Uh, Corey Cook had much more luck on the course than he did in his picks. <laughs> he had Brian Bickersmith, who shot 45 points over his rating for the weekend. But Adam Nelson and Julie May Marger shot a little below their ratings. Uh, so he has three points. I'm putting most of that on, on Adam. You know, he's the Dunkin' Donuts guy. He wasn't Dunkin' No Donuts. It's different with a three-round tournament. They both had a round that was right around their rating, but then you have one below-par round, and it can really hurt you in this with only two. But you got three points, so... Yeah, it could be worse. could be zero points. Yeah. Jamin, who is not here, had Brendan Sisk, Ethan Hatters, and Greg Kurtz, all of whom shot over their rating. Brendan was 62 points over. Ethan was 96 points over his rating, and Greg Kurtz was 23 points over his rating for a combined 181 points. That's a home run. Alex had Corey Cook. I'm sure we'll hear detailed story of how he shot 79 oh, points <laughs> over his rating for the weekend. <laughs> Try and stop him. <laughs> he also had Kyle Hirsch, who shot 16 points over, but Jeremy Whitaker did not shoot up to his rating. No, he was a little under. I mean, not terribly under. No. So... Alex had 38 points total. And then I had Jason, who was 56 points over his rating. Corey at 79. And I also picked Kristen McDonald, who shot 71 points over her rating in the first round and 44 points in the second round for a combined yeah. 115 points over her rating. I had 250 points. Yikes. Nicely done. Well done. Basically, what I wrote on the thing was exactly what, uh, what I felt. 
it's kind of like when I do the skip ace picks and I forget, like even this last week I posted that we have skip ace picks and forgot to pick them. Yeah, I forgot too. I did pick three people that I knew were kind of local. I don't, it's not Kristen's main course, but I thought that she did well enough at mind kill. You just keep that momentum. I mean, if you could shoot your, your rating at mind kill, you should be able to shoot over your rating at J park. No. Yeah, and at J-Park, a lot of the time, it comes down to who scrambles better that day, not mm-hmm. turning threes into sixes. But you take a course like Minekill, which is beneficial to somebody who can throw farther on a few of the holes. No, and if anything, it almost works against you, I mean, depending on what hole you're on, where the guys that are throwing far, and this is kind of what I was saying, I think, last week, the people that throw far but they can't like tone it down a couple percent, they just end mm-hmm. up further off the fairway. And then hopefully yeah. your scramble game is warmed up because you're gonna need it right so you're, you're kind of saying it's more of an equalizer yeah yeah i mean the holes are shorter they're more reachable for a larger majority of the, the field Kristen, to me did two impressive things she, she shot significantly above her her rating and she won oh yeah mm. so Corey, did you in fact double down and eat two steaks on friday <laughs> damn what did i eat on friday no actually friday i switched it up i had i had popeyes spicy chicken sandwich meal which I also was was also my move for uh, Whipple City last year. Although I don't think it helped that I don't think I played that good at Whipple City. And I had pizza and uh, and soda, so the exact opposite of probably what Jamin would have had. <laughs> <laughs> Three way tie there for fifth, huh? You and Tucker and Jamin. Yeah, friggin' Jamin, man. I had two holes left, and I, I was actually playing with Tucker Kozlowski, so I knew that me and him were tied. And I just you know I'm like yeah, if I tie Tucker, that's that's good company. And I think at that time, Jamin was one stroke behind us or maybe one or one or two strokes. And then he like birdies his last two or three holes to take freaking money out of my mouth hmm. <laughs> and join him with a three-way tie for fifth. Because I should say money on my pocket or food out of my mouth, but money out of my mouth, <laughs> that yeah. works too. I know what you meant. Sure. <laughs> you know, sometimes you're hungry and all you got is worthless cash and no stores to spend it at. So you got to eat it. What were the layouts for the two rounds? For A pool, which was your MPO, FPO, MA1, that was the J North layout. The other layout was J South. And obviously, B pool started on the South layout. And then we switched that lunch. And the nice thing is we have like a staggered lunch. So the people going out to the, the North layout, the second round started, you know, a little bit earlier than the people playing the south layout which plays faster mm. so that way we all kind of got done around the same time but j north is definitely the harder hole i think i think par on j north was like uh 965 ish rated and par on the south side was about upper 940s about 20 point difference mm. so comparing the ratings between the two pools they actually seem really close which i'm gonna chalk up to having such large sample sizes i think having almost 72 players I mean, total of 144 or 140 playing each of the layouts. Statistically, it's it's going to make it really accurate. Yeah. The thing that makes it the most accurate is the most amount of propagators, I think. Yeah. Right? Because during the league on Wednesday, there was much fewer. I think we had 12 people. And I think with only 12 people, it's easy for the ratings to get kind of out of whack a little bit. We had that in a league a couple of weeks ago. Our best propagators shot badly. And, you know, there were only 10 other people playing that day. And the ratings were ludicrous. Like, uh, I don't know, par on FDR yellows was like an 860 round or something like that. Is it normally lower? No, no, no. So par, par on FDR yellows on an amateur Fool's Fest days is 900 or close to it. Leagues dump you out because they have too few propagators. And when you have too few propagators and, you know, 
two guys who are critical propagators, the, you know, the best two rated players there, the ratings fall apart. Whereas, you know, if you have 72 or God love you, uh, 144, mm. you're going to get the best possible set of propagators to, to get accurate ratings. Mm. Yeah, there's so many factors that would go into a course. It would be almost impossible to have like a set rating like five down is this or four down is that. Right. Exactly. The rating system, which was designed by Chuck Kennedy, was designed to give a rating to courses. It was designed to be able to say, you know, J Park is a is a 90 or FDR is a 85 or Warwick is 112. He wanted to use the system as a tool in, in his box for course design, but figured out pretty quickly that the data that he was using, you know, that came from players was kind of meaningless if the players didn't have a rating. So he figured out a formula to give players a rating so that how they shot mattered to the data that he used to create a course rating. And the PDGA said, yes, yes, please. Um, We'll have that. But I think what it does really well, it sort of accounts for weather. So that's going to affect Brinster and Cutler and me and Kenji too. It's part of why it, it's so player heavy, why, why it relies so heavily on those propagators, because it wants to know if Steve had a bad day or if everybody had a bad day. And and that's why we see, you know, in, in a 72 player field that the ratings are generally like everybody can pretty much live with it. And constantly in leagues, people are extremely dissatisfied with how the, the ratings lay out. I would expect that the mind kill ratings, you're probably going to look at that and think that's pretty flawless. Well, the AM side, we had less than five cards playing the long tees because it was only AM1. So there was a fraction of the sample size uh, for AM yeah. weekend. And I think that's why the ratings were different between pro and AM. Yep. But I think for the pro side, there was enough that they all made sense. And so for J Park, during the Paper League, there was 12 people. And during the Jammer, there was almost 70. Maybe there was a couple drops, but there was a 16 point difference looking at it, which is pretty significant. Yeah. At least for what I shot. I don't, Corey, I think you shot like six down, right? That would have been way higher rated in the jammer than at Pro League. Yeah. Pro League, my six down was, well, 1,003 at the time. I don't know how it's going to change. But the jammer four down was 1,000 rated. And that that was the hot score. Yeah. So probably another 16 points. That's that's what I came up with. Yeah. About, about 16 point difference. And what I think it is, is there's inherently some randomness in disc golf like you know you get good tree kicks bad tree kicks uh there's no way to take out the randomness nope and you see that in small sample size like flipping a coin if you flip a coin three times you could get heads 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 you flip it a thousand times it's gonna get really close to 50 50 and that's the same thing with the ratings like the more sample size the more players you have the more accurate those ratings are going to be so jammer with 144 people i don't know if they're gonna aggregate the ratings between the two rounds Seems like they're really close, actually, between the pro playing it in the morning and the AMs playing it in the afternoon. They're only two-point difference. Oh, really? I looked at one score, and I thought they were the same. I don't know what, what actual... I picked the arbitrary score, and the north layout was two points different, and the south layout was one point different. And they're lined, so they could cross somewhere and be the same. You mean across to different... I, I was looking at round one for A pool versus round two for B pool, both playing the same layout. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at too. Gotcha. And somewhere they, you know, they may not be parallel lines. So they may cross and be the same somewhere. Mm-hmm. The other thing that's kind of interesting is that the PDGA can be petitioned. I think it was either the last round or the second to last round of his spring league. Everybody who played that day thought the ratings were screwy. And he 
um, made an appeal to the PDGA, and they actually bumped the ratings up all by 12 points. The fuck? Yeah. What kind of backdoor bullshit is that? <laughs> what the PDGA is, if nothing else, is responsive. What do they do? Hit the easy button and it just went poof? I think they get some kind of anomaly report. So, you know, if a bunch of ag- uh, propagators, you know, came in at, you know, X percent below their rating or above their rating or whatever, then it triggers something and somebody looks at it. And you, you do often see ratings get adjusted somewhere between the unofficial result and the official results. Usually a couple points. Yeah. And that's typically because something got spat out as a regular and somebody hand went over the data and made an adjustment. Yeah, Jack's absolutely right. I know they, they've they emailed me a few times about outliers and they'll ask me questions like, hey, did this person DNF because their score seems it's a red flag on our system? I've also reached out to them doing junior events and stuff where there's not a lot of propagators. They've told me that they actually do quite a bit of hand calculations for smaller fields and for you know, ones that aren't like cut and dry with a good propagator sample size. So they're invested. They're like they're paying people for this currently still. That's your professional disc golf association working for you. All right. All right. That's what I like to hear. Because yeah, if you have an event, I think with just two people, they'll still give you a rating for it. It's just got to yeah. be hand calculated. I think PDGA has a shit ton of members who care quite a bit about their rating. And I think if it loses credibility and they're like consistently getting it wrong, I think the PDGA would be in a little bit of trouble. I mean, whether you like metaphorically care about your rating more and more, it seems like the rating actually does matter either by early registration, you can't get in, right. you like, like now it kind of seems, I, I don't know, I haven't been around that long, but I, I would be willing to bet that now it matters more than it used to. I think that's people. true. It used to just be about who you knew. Yeah. Yeah. It used to be to just <laughs> send a check to the guy down the road that was running it. Mm-hmm. But now we're, where tournaments are filling up so fast and some local guy wants to play his home course. He's 968 rated. And well, let's be more realistic. This, this local guy who's 940 rated. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden, all of a sudden something happens where like, you know, whatever, the jammer is only going to be a 72 person field and it's got a bunch of money thrown at it. So, uh, you know, all these better guys are coming out and, you know, it gets ratings locked at basically 950 plus on the pro side or whatever. It's like, oh shit, now I can't play. <laughs> if only I cared more about my rating. <laughs> I don't think that's really a, a big thing. Maybe a, a couple of but. No, but it's a valid. It's valid enough. It's valid enough that the PDGA is investing resources. Uh-huh. Well, they're just any way they can make money, and I that don't mean too. that in a negative way. It's you know you got to pay the bills. So, how was your weekend, Corey? Uh yeah. So, uh, weekend was pretty good. The days leading up to the weekend were a bit sus. Yeah, I heard you were hurt or something. Yeah, for a few years I was playing the, like this co-ed, basically beer league, adult kickball league, and then uh took a break for a while you know, as I got born to disc golf because I you know, didn't want to throw my arm out, didn't want to twist my ankle and you know not be able to play whatever tournament. So I got back into it for the spring season, and the Thursday before the jammer was our playoffs, basically, and I think we were like the, the seventh seed going into an eight-team tournament. So we played through our first three games. We win all three. We go to the championship game. We're playing in almost the dark. And with all the all the chips on the line, I decide to try to be aggressive in the second inning and try to like steal second, not steal second base, but make an aggressive maneuver for second base. And then my dumbass decides to try to slide into second and basically road rash my knee. And I don't know what I did to my right leg, but I blew my ankle out, basically. I had to limp off the field and basically take myself out of the game. 
and I haven't really sprained my ankle before, maybe as a kid. And the next day, Friday, the day before the jammer, like I couldn't walk. I think I only got out of bed to get fresh ice packs. So the whole time I'm thinking like I just ruined my jammer experience. For some reason, something always comes up and I can't play it. You know, the the highlight of my, my year living down the street from the park. And I put so much time into doing some course maintenance and practicing. And I just went to a shallow state of depression i'm messaging jeff i'm like hey just want to give you a heads up like there's a very strong chance i drop out in the morning then the other i had the little you know devil on my shoulder saying hey man it's supposed to pour and rain anyway supposed to have thunderstorms like maybe it's not a bad thing i mean your ankle is still fucked but (laughs) you don't have to play in the rain so on saturday i wake up and for shits and giggles i decided like i'm gonna just put my disc golf shoes on and see like how it feels and somehow it felt worse to walk than it did to perform like an x step which kind of blew my mind so i went from probably not going to be able to play i didn't go to bed early I, you know I, I i just had already written off that i wasn't gonna be able to play in the tournament and then i show up and limp around the course for two rounds using my umbrella as a cane and somehow shoot two of the hottest rounds i've ever thrown at <laughs> jay park and come in a tie for fifth place I know a couple people were a little, um, in a friendly way, were a little butthurt that they were getting beat by a dude that was hobbling across the course all day. But um, yeah, so overall, pretty good experience, but still having trouble walking. And then, and then actually, I think I kind of like hurt my leg trying to limp around the course. Like now where my ankle doesn't even hurt. Now it's like my calf from overcompensating the, the ankle injury. Mm. But yeah, just like another, like the, the, like the second time this year where like, I really shouldn't have even been playing in the tournament, calling back to the April showers at Heiser Creek where I was like on the wait list until the day of. So I'm not supposed to be like basically playing the tournament and then somehow I come out and shoot lights out and throw like personal record rounds to hit the cash line. It's not like you could overthrow, so that's helpful. I mean, that's the only benefit I could see to having... A few people had said that where like maybe this will like allow you to like slow down and... Mm. Which I think it did, but like my body was doing some stuff subconsciously that was, it didn't make sense to me. Like I was like dragging my foot even on backhands and I I, I can't imagine that I looked good playing, but I, I putted well and just played clean uh, J Park rounds and somehow it paid off. So the real question is when it comes to a tie, why is Jamin ahead of you? Is it just based on rating? Oh, you mean like listed on the page? It's alphabetically, you should be way ahead of him. I think it's based on the hotter second round. So the first round, the tiebreaker is PDJ, and then any round after that, it's hottest round. Oh, okay. I would think they just, wouldn't rating be just a simpler way to, I guess you can have the same rating in the PDJ, I don't know. But I get what you're saying, Pat. I, you know, I would prefer my name to be above Jamin's too. And that's kind of how I was feeling going to the last year. Holes like, yeah, I'm going to beat Jamie by one. It's great. <laughs> I'm over here hobbling all, all over the place, breaking my ankles for this. And then he freaking <laughs> he ties me. <laughs> but no, that's good company. I, I had good cards both rounds. But the second round, it was me, Kyle Hirsch, and uh, Randy Bemis, all three of us, sponsored by ADK Discs. And then uh, Tucker Kozlowski. So like we're all four pretty good friends made for a really enjoyable second card and i mean like i said it was supposed to they were forecasting thunderstorms all day I'm, it, mm. it kind of poured out before registration started in the morning then somehow it literally did not rain at all in the first and second rounds and it wasn't until we were doing the ace pot throw off towards the end where we were getting like some sprinkles so that was some other type of miracle nice it was probably because there was 120 people walking around all day with umbrellas <laughs> oh yeah 
Absolutely. <laughs> Kept it away. Jason, how did you manage to uh, overcome Corey in the first round by a couple strokes? Jay Norris, man. That's an interesting layout. I only had one bogey, which was how I did well there. That's impressive. That's really impressive. Switching from Mind Kill to J Park was kind of a mind game because um, Mind Kill requires a lot of strategy and mental like attack. Where J Park, I feel like, is a hundred percent execution or don't. Like you don't, you don't have to think about where to throw the disc. It's just you need to throw the disc in the right spot and sometimes get lucky. Like your final score is pretty impressive, but how you did it other than the one bogey, really isn't. You got 16 and you birdie 27, which I, I'm curious how you did that. But like that whole birdie stretch from 19 to 25 or 26, you only got one of them in there, which is usually where people kind of recover their round. Yeah, I left a lot out there. I didn't get like all the birdie holes. I just got a couple of the really hard ones and I didn't mess up most of the other ones. And yeah, I birdied 27, which was really great. I a bad drive at the pro league and still save par. So I kind of feel like I have that whole figured out. That's the one they move back a little for, further, right? That's 29. 27 okay. is that big, long par five, which I don't, I think you said you haven't played that one yet. That one, I didn't realize you're not, don't stay on the left of that one. Yeah. Cause those trees are, if it's the one I'm thinking of. <laughs> yeah. You don't really want to go on the left side. That yeah. Much. Yeah. That birdie interrupted like a long streak of pars I had. That was a really good one to get. I shot four down on Jay North and four down on Jay South, which if you had told me that before the tournament, there's no way I would ever guess that. <laughs> I was supposed to have a caddy. Josh Wynn was supposed to be kind of a bachelor for the weekend. He was taking bribes between Harry and me, and I had given him some mastermind. And I had a caddy all lined up the night before. I went through my bag, took out all the dumb stuff that was just unnecessary weight, so I didn't have to get made fun of by him for it. <laughs> Packed it up. I was like really looking forward to it. And then some, he had some family stuff come up, and he couldn't caddy. I forgot I had ordered him a lunch. So then at lunchtime, I had two lunches, and I made the fatal mistake of eating both of them. <laughs> oh, also enjoying like a full mastermind tall boy 8.1% beer. Neither side bogeyed the first hole in round two, just feeling so sluggish. And Luckily, the lunches weren't too big. Yeah, it was like a lunch and a half between two, because it really wasn't a full lunch this place down in Ravina that I had never heard about. And like, I, I, I guess it's fine coming from me because you would expect it, but I thought it was so overpriced, for, especially for like a, a like a disc golf lunch. It was like $17 for a can of soda, a styrofoam cup of macaroni salad, and depending what you got, like two small pork sliders. I'd have to agree with you, Corey. I felt like I was expecting just something larger, and which is probably why I ate both of them. Because after the first one, I'm like, yeah, it didn't really feel like a full lunch. and. <laughs> And then the second one, you don't want to throw half of it out, so you finish it. And I was trying to give it yeah. away, but nobody really wanted it. So. No, you didn't ask me because I would have took it. <laughs> <laughs> my, my human garbage disposal. Marcia took the other uh, – Josh wanted a Diet Pepsi. She took that for the way home. Glad. <laughs> nice. I can't stand Diet Pepsi. How did you birdie 18, Swamp Thing, on the north side? I got my drive to right below the rock. It was an easy uphill putt on that. Got lucky on that one for sure. Yeah, that was a hard one that uh, it says like a very rare birdie. And then 27, I just played very clean the whole way there and had like a 15, 20 footer for the birdie. Let me guess. You went backhand hyzer off the tee and then backhand hyzer over the the rock wall and then a straight mid range or fairway right to the basket for a 18 foot putt. Close on the second shot, I was pretty far left in the woods, but I had a big spike hyzer angle to the pin 
So it was destroyer, 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 then putt. Nailed it. Yeah. Not me. I mean you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It felt, felt good though. Yeah, they're not a lot of pars on the back nine, but pars are better than bogeys. I think if you can get away with, I guess Jay North is more about not bogeying than it is about birdieing. Mm. Is that, that's how I've been playing it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think once some of those holes get more played in, then then that might change. But for right now, at least that'd be my. I mean, as limited as I played it, but that would be my thought. Yeah, like I said, there's that solid stretch of like. 27 the par 5 is not an easy birdie but the hole before i think uh 26 where you either know what i'm talking about or you don't it's a it's a short enough par 4 where like a birdie isn't that hard but i think people try to overdo it so there's like a stretch of like six or seven holes back there where each one of those holes is highly birdieable so as long as you're not getting beat up too hard on the hard stretch like holes uh 15 through 17 or 18 then you know you can you can afford a couple bogeys knowing you're gonna get a couple birdies but if you can keep it just a couple you're gonna shoot i mean what did we say par was like 965 rated for was it north yep jamin and brad shot par and they have 967 yeah so a par 967 round like it's pretty damn good Mm. yeah i think too like going back to like kind of the randomness i had a lot of drives that landed just outside of my solid comfort range for putting and so i just laid up for par and had i been 10 feet closer i may have went for some birdies and got burned so kind of being lucky that i didn't even have you know the confidence to go for birdies on some of them just laying up and moving on uh it actually happened to tucker kazowski the craziest shot i saw all day hole 26 he had i'd say like a 18 20 footer for birdie hits the basket drops straight down on its edge rolls at him he literally jumps over the disc and it rolls another 10 15 feet behind his lie then makes that putt for par (laughs) (laughs) i was like it was the craziest thing i saw all day but that's what happens like if sometimes you know if you don't have those c1x putts you don't get those bad rollaways or the bad breaks that happen when you miss putts it's easy to lay up a 50 footer and take par I watched a lot of putting on that hole. And so the hole 26 is perched up on like a, a, a rock edge. So like if you're putting up at it, you could easily miss the basket, go over and then down and then try to make the comebacker. And then next thing you know, you're ping ponging over this rock thing and taking triple or quad bogeys. So it's a good thing that Tucker made that one. But yeah, there's definitely a few holes out there where if you're not feeling confident in your putt, it could get a little spicy. Corey, did you say you played with Randy in the first or second round? Uh, second round. So you you didn't see his two on 25? No, and I feel like, that's funny, I kind of forgot about that, but I feel like I heard that it was like a, he threw it in. I'm not sure if it's like 100, 150 feet. Either way, that's a great two. I wish I did see it. Mm. But I'm sure he, he probably smoked his drive way up the fairway and then probably uh, threw it in from like a hundo. Would have been a lot cooler if he did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, too bad he didn't ace it. Then maybe he would have been in a, in a tie for fifth too. Mm. The eagle wasn't good enough. <laughs> All right, let me go over some winners, and if there's anything that jogs anybody's uh, memory of anything, let me know. Or just interrupt me, I don't care. So Women's Amateur 3, FA3, as we mentioned before, Krista Kovac, she won that by four strokes. Uh, Mixed Amateur 3, MA3, was Stephen Marshall and Patrick Powers. They were tied at 18. I assume Stephen won in some kind of throw-off. Steve won in a one-hole playoff, yep. I keep saying throw-off, I mean playoff. I think he won with a par. And he said that now he's after that, he's officially moving up to MA2. So good for him. <laughs> nice. FA2, Women's Amateur 2, Kristen McDonald by a stroke over Alexis White won it and won me the uh, the Dark Horse picks. MA2, Mixed Amateur 2, John Meshut by a stroke over Matt Hickerson. 
Mixed Amateur 60, Michael Delaney. MA50, Mixed Amateur 50, Ron Tyre. CNY guys, Ron Tyre and Jeff Darling in there. And actually, Jeff told me he had a youth club for me on launch, and I never I never capitalized on that. So next time I go out to CNY for a tournament, I'm actually, he'll, he'll hear this. He listens. Jeff, you owe me a beer. Just letting you know. <laughs> Probably saved you. <laughs> I want to drink it after the round. Oh, which, <laughs> which speaking of which, uh, sorry, Pat, here comes that interruption you asked for. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> so <laughs> I finished my second round. I'm like, cool, now it's time to hang out. I didn't bring no beers with me. I'm like, oh, that's fine. I live literally five minutes down the road. I'll just hop in my car, swing by the house real quick. One of your six cooler. cars? <laughs> yeah, one of my one of my six cars. <laughs> I'm going to go up to the house, grab my beers, come back down. There's this freaking guy, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate. There's this guy that raises chicken. I'm sure he claims them as free-range chickens. They are free as fuck. Like, they don't know any boundaries. And these free-range chickens, see them all the time. They're always, like, by the side of the road, eating whatever the hell they're eating or doing whatever the hell they're doing. So I'm zipping back home, coming down the road, doing the speed limit, obviously. And there's this freaking white chicken that starts, like, racing me on the side of the road. Like, he's trying to get a head start. This dumbass makes a 90-degree turn and tries to answer answer the age-old question of why did the chicken cross the road? And that's because there was a speeding fucking Nissan Altima coming at him. (laughs) Bro, I hit this chicken so hard. It sounded sounded like there was a car accident. I got my hand, like, out the window, just, like, resting. (laughs) It blows the Nissan fucking emblem off my front bumper. It's like you hit a deer. (laughs) Dude, it rolls over the hood up the windshield <laughs> and i see it fly out the back window or out the the back uh the rearview mirror hits the ground it's not moving i'm like shit is this one Lunch. of those instances where i'm supposed to like pull over and like talk to the yeah. owner or whatever you talk to the owner and i'm like you know what? i'm like no screw that man this guy needs to have it. if he's gonna have chickens either put them in a coop or put a fence up because they're always on the side of the road and i can't imagine this is the only one that got hit oh but now I'm thinking like, ah, fuck, I got to go back the same exact way literally three minutes later because I'm just running home to grab some, some beer. I'm just going to run over this chicken again. <laughs> so I'm like, damn it, I'm going to come back down the road. There's going to be a whole scene. There's going to be like six people staring over this dead chicken, thinking about what to do, who did this to our chicken. <laughs> You're going to be coming back with chicken guts on your front door. <laughs> so I come back. The chicken's already gone. They made quick cleanup of that. I didn't see nobody. Yeah. I didn't see no. That's in a pot. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I didn't see a Nissan Altima like symbol, like spinning like a top on the road or anything like that. Because they oh could probably gosh. get more in trouble than you can for that. I would imagine. Uh, you would think so, right? Should pull over and be like, "Yo, you guys cracked my grill because your stupid chicken isn't fucking house trained." And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I know I got never gonna get insurance involved. But I'm like, that's a beater car anyway. So I pull back and I get back to J Park. No harm, no foul. I get out. <laughs> no. <laughs> hey. There is chicken feathers stuck all yeah. over my car yeah, yeah you got to clean that shit up before the fuzz gets there <laughs> no no i leave it there as like a, a sign a warning other <laughs> yeah warning to other chickens <laughs> yeah this whole recording sounds like uh future evidence and like a, a, in a in a criminal case but yeah so i have chicken feathers currently stuck in my grill and and not just in the grill, but in the A pillar of the car where like the windshield kind of runs up like the driver door. <laughs> so, so to further show that the chicken did roll up the windshield and lost, lost a, few, a few more feathers on its way out. But yeah, man, I don't know. Put a fence up if you've got chickens, unless you want to get, get hit by a Nissan Altima. That's amazing. 
it, that was not where I thought that story was going. I thought you were going to be like, oh, I got stuck behind this chicken and had to wait and almost didn't make it back in time or something like that. Nah, man. I, I He was, like I said, he was. I was getting close and he started running down the road like like just ahead of me. And then I saw him make a 90 degree turn and I'm like, well, I'm not going to put my car into a ditch over a goddamn chicken. So I did try to like slow down and like turn away from him. You know, turn to his right as he's running left, and it wasn't enough. He wasn't quick enough. He he fucked around and found out. I don't know. I don't know what he wanted. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I remember Corey coming back after uh, round two. He's like, "Hey, Jay, you got any feathers in my grill?" Yeah, Corey. It's like fucking a dozen feathers in the grill. What the hell, <laughs> that is most of a chicken in your grill. <laughs> If I'm not hitting chickens, I'm down at league night and watching freaking modified dirt track race cars going down the road. And this is a Ravina thing. You guys got to be there. I'm sure you don't have the same problem in your ritzy downstate neighborhoods. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, I, I don't. Fucking <laughs> never, never happens to me. There's a dirt track in Middletown. I see them occasionally. Oh, nice. America. Yeah. Hey, FA40 Women's Amateur 40 Marcia Focht won by a stroke over Christy Petit. MA40 Mixed Amateur 40, uh, Travis Winkleman by five strokes over Eric Morehouse. Women's Amateur 1, Amber Stout is the winner. That's uh, Miguel Miguel Thomas's girl. Came out from CNY and crushed. So a few. Yeah, I think there was like, I don't know, like seven to ten people came out from the Utica, Syracuse area. Nice. MA1 Mixed Amateur 1, Ethan Hatters. Shot minus three. 14-year-old phenom. Is he nice? Yeah, yeah. That that kid, that kid crushed. He's gonna be real good. Mm-hmm. He is real good. He's going to uh, Am Worlds this weekend, I believe, or Junior Am Worlds. However, however, however you qualify that. Yeah. Four strokes over Andrew Doral. MP60 Mixed Pro 60. Danny White over Greg Kurtz. Jamin's pick still shot well. FP40 Women's Pro 40. Catherine Chacha. Uh, Mixed Pro 40. MP40. Jamie Rockefeller by a stroke over Craig Cutler. Oh, he was out there. Nice. I'm sure Brian Bickersmith was happy about that. I think Brian was just happy that he got a PayPal payment. Oh, heck account. yeah. Fourth place, plus one, not too shabby. Uh, FPO Women's Pro Open, Kathleen Bemis won it over Caitlin Kaiser. And MPO Mixed Pro Open, the Oberholzer Sandwich, Bradley in third, Jason Lasasso in second, and Jarek Oberholzer by three strokes. Looks like it was tied going into the second round, right, Jason? Yeah. Jarek's a lefty too, so I I played with Jarek on Jay North, and man, that is not what you would consider a lefty layout. And I'm surprised he did. I'm, I guess I'm not really surprised. He's a good player, but it, it was interesting to watch him play that layout so well as a lefty and one that doesn't really throw forehands. Like he can throw forehand, but he certainly wasn't even on a on a hole that would have a tunnel dog leg left he's still going any backhand instead of just tossing a flick up there it was really impressive to watch i'm sure round two was similar to watching him play jason yeah he's got uh, that lefty anheuser dialed in for all the righty holes and he putts really hard too oh my god they all seem to like sneak over the cage that whole card the second round just blew my mind the putts they were going after i mean they were legit putting from 100 feet like in ranges that I could never reach the basket in like a normal putting stance, they were just literally putting it and hitting chains and making a couple of them. It was crazy. I, I just have never seen anything like it. And that was all three of the kids on the card. That was Jarek, Bradley, and Duncan. Just very aggressive putting from very far distances. Really fun to watch, but I don't, I don't think I could ever do that. <laughs> What's uh, Duncan's last name? 
Farquhar Harston. I, I I played with him round one at the Syracuse Open, and it did not take me long to make a, a Lord Farquaad joke, which he <laughs> initially assured me he had never heard before. But I think he said that sarcastically. Yeah. <laughs> but cool kid. Yeah, that 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 kid was uh, Duncan. Was like a he's only been playing for a couple of years. Plays like collegiate disc golf or something like that. I think it's from Connecticut. Cool kid. I remember how to say his last name because. I just think mine kill. It's Far Corson Gaboa. So Far Corson. Hmm. Oh, I was adding too many syllables then. Far At least that's how I got it. Great kid. Yeah. Yeah. So, Corey, what are you doing with all that hard earned cash? By the way, you didn't jinx Jamin on his uh, cash streak. So that's good. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. $185. What could I associate $185 to? It could go for insurance for one of my six vehicles <laughs> I just had to renew. <laughs> No, it'll sit into the PayPal account until I have to sign up for the next tournament. Actually, that will just cover the the donations I've made already this year. (laughs) Let's be real. (laughs) These eight tiers are expensive to not cash in. Mm. Shout out to Jeff Wachowski and Discap for raising the added cash. I think they had 1,500 added cash with B tiers. Pretty impressive. Yeah. Yep. Jeff killed it on another TD event. Bunch of people helped out getting the course ready. Way too many to name, but nice to see a lot of people that aren't like jay park regulars had come down and lend a hand disc golf 978 came all the way out from mass and brought their trailer out for amp payouts and stuff and they have a, a sweet setup as far as they have the flat screen going so people were able to watch live scores and i think they had actually the disc golf pro tour up on the screen also had to shout out jeff's wife carolyn for again crushing it with bait good that's i think i I ate probably about 40 brownies by the time I left. I didn't eat dinner when I got home, dude. She, usually she's like, oh, I eat my brownies and cookies. I don't want to take them home. And I take that as a, you know, please eat all of these. Don't go home until you do. And then that was my dinner. <laughs> brownies. <laughs> Some good chocolate chip cookies. Oh, yeah. And Jeff didn't play? Jeff did not play. No, I don't. Uh, he would have needed a co-TD, right, Jason? Well, he had a Mike Schwartz. Yeah. Uh, for B-tiers, he would have. He needed a co-TD, but I also think he's been um, struggling with some back issues. Um, yeah. just seems that more and more that's become the norm where the tournament director's not able to play as much anymore. It would have been weird, too, given that, well, one, there are so many people, but they're playing mm. different layouts. So, like, I don't know. I don't know what the staggeredness was as far as when the B, if, if like, the B pool that played the faster layout, if they were done, how much faster they were done before, like, the A pool was done, the, the longer layout. But this one kind of makes sense. And like I said, Jeff, I don't know that he was that inclined to play a two-round J Park event anyways. Yeah. Yeah, shout out to Jeff, too. The Jammer's grown. It's the only event I've played every year, including the years where like I've played only two or three events. I still got to the Jammer because it's kind of like the crown jewel for this cap. And Jeff's been killing it. It's been growing. And since they've expanded it to both the layouts with 36 holes simultaneously and having a field of 144 people, I mean, it's a pretty big endeavor. And... Jeff runs like an amazing amount of tournaments. Like I, I do two or three year and it just takes all year to plan for them to do everything. Jeff does way more than anybody I know. He does multiple courses, multiple events, and he's been doing them for so long. And I think most TDs, probably 95% of them get burned out within the first five years, but whatever it is, Jeff keeps going. He's been doing this for a long time. This is the 15th annual jammer. Uh, I don't know if he's been running it the whole time, but he's been running countless events and huge shout out for him for just continuing to do it and not getting burned out. I mean, that's takes a lot. 
I'd be burned out. There's no way I could ever do the amount of events he does. Yeah. But yeah, it's easy if, if you're a TD to kind of step in. And when things are novel and exciting, put a lot of effort into them and to, you know, just go the extra mile. But to do that year after year, it takes somebody special. Hmm. Plus, he's running the tag league. I mean, the, the doubles league, right? Yeah. I mean, that's not it's not even close to his house. He's doing yeah multiple leagues. He's always at the, the monthlies. And it's uh, Jeff and Carolyn. I mean, they're a power team that, that have um, given so much to the Discap community and to the Albany region for disc golf. It's it's really, um, really, really great thing. Yeah, I got uh, tags on the head because I thought this would be a good time since we have it in a bit to go over the 2023 Discap Bag Tag League. After a tournament, there's usually a high number of turnovers. So. Good timing, Pat. I, I like your thinking there. Oh, I know why. <laughs> first thing I wanted to look at though was the uh, the thing I always look at first, which is rounds played. Tied for fifth, we got Kevin Cronky. Is that how you pronounce his name? It's like cranky? Uh, I've been calling it Cranky this whole time. Cranky. <laughs> no, it's not. It's, yeah. it's not actually Cranky. Oh. <laughs> I have no idea. Cronky. I don't know what it is. Kevin Cronky Cranky and, and Mike Zancelli both have thirty rounds played. There is a tie for third at 34 rounds between Brian Bickersmith and his life partner, Corey Cook. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, second place with 35 rounds, Evan Parsley. And in the lead with 44 rounds played, Anthony Bohansky. 44 rounds played. That's insanity. That guy gets it, man. Yeah, play tag matches. There's only like three people in the 20s after that. There is one match awaiting a verification. Alex, you're not a tag guy, are you? Or are you? I would play more tags if I played more disc golf with people that aren't my family. Oh, no, you do have a tag. Okay, I'm so, no, I just didn't know if you had one or not. Oh, yeah. No, I I picked up the number 16 tag at the Stony Hill Monthly. But, okay. yeah, it always seems like monthlies end up on a weird day or like I'm doing something on Sunday and can't get to, you know, the tag match. Yeah. Well, that's a good place to start. Alex has the 16 tag. Brian Bickersmith at 14, Jason's mechanic, Harry Lehman with the 13 tag, Mike Thomas at 12, Randy Bemis and them putts at 11, <laughs> and our top 10, Chad Larson. Why do I always think, was it the far side when I hear that name? Yeah, it's, um, is it Gary Larson? That's what, it, yeah. Nine tag, Ethan Haters, Hatters, Chad Mendriza, because I haven't said his name in a bit, with the eight tag, <laughs> TD extraordinaire, Jeff Wachowski at seven, Dave Hudson at six. The top five. It is very Hudson Valley Disc Golf Podcast. <laughs> Number five, Kyle Hirsch, who played a second round, even though Corey took the four tag. I do want to say I am 2-0 and against Kyle recently. <laughs> yeah, in the last couple weeks. <laughs> but because he had a hot round in round two, Jamin, <laughs> as the three tag, he, he finally got that third round in. Yep, finally got his tag to put it into the box. Good for Heck him. Yeah. Tucker Kozlowski with the number two tag. And then one tag, Jason Lasasso. Plan on losing it Sunday. What Sunday? The match play bracket thing. The statewide. Oh. I'm playing uh, Harry Sunday at Jay Park. Ah, nice. So Ooh. I'll probably take it from me. Is that a spectator event? Yeah, come out. Put some pressure on Harry. Help <laughs> me out. <laughs> I think we're going to do uh, the classic 27 whole layout. Oh, frig, uh, yeah. Sunday morning, so. I mean, I won't be, be there because I'll be out of town, but I'm, I'm, I'll be bummed. I hope to... Damn, how much do you think I'd have to pay Brian to go down there and live feed it? <laughs> how much was my payout? $185? <laughs> That's too much. Joe jo Mass declined. They said there's too much heat. You know? <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> 
<laughs> it might get too scrappy. Yeah. So an engineer and a mechanic walk into a disc golf course. <laughs> uh, I got to let them win or my brakes are fucked. So. Yeah. <laughs> do you care about your family's safety or do you care about the brakes? <laughs> uh, but we, we like have these special rules that we play in our normal foursome, which is myself, Harry, Joshua, and Brett Delamater. Old hole 17. So was that now? Hole 24. We have this thing going like at the first tracks and stuff. Whoever shoots the worst score on that hole has to chug a beer by the time we finish the whole 25. Too easy, but also sounds fun. But no, we bring like Imperial Biscotti breaks and Oof. 12 or 13% beers that you got to finish. But now with just Harry and me, I'm like, if this rule still in effect, <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> like what? that's, that's kind of like odds aren't as good, you know? <laughs> so we'll I see. mean, you could win the match by that hole. That's true. Cause that's the other thing. It's like we're, with the 27 hole layout do a match play. We could have like, what is it, 13 and 12 or 14 and 12? Something like that, the best, yeah, whatever it is. Best scoring yet? Yeah. So yeah, it'll be, we'll probably lose count and I don't know, we'll see what happens. But looking forward to it. I love playing with Harry. He's going to be hard to beat on that layout. I've been shooting really well the last few weeks. So if I keep it going, I think I got a good shot. But uh, I don't know, man. If he dials in his C2 putts, that's it. I, I can't compete with that. We have breaking news. I've reached out to the match verifier extraordinaire to ask if the pending disc cap disc golf scene back tag league match is interesting. Mm. Oh, he said no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it looks like it's been verified. <laughs> was it? There was a match down here um, that Antonio Albert was involved in. He played out at Warwick. Antonio beat James Kalinsky, who's a Warwick player at Warwick Blue to Blue in the, in the same competition. What's the name of that competition, Jason? I think it's the, is it the Flying Mile Match Play Madness. Yeah, Flying Mile Disc Golf. It's the Match Play Madness. It's run by Dylan Reese, and I think his company is Flying Mile. Right on. And it's actually getting pretty good. I thought that there was a link to, maybe there's another group for the Match Play. Oh, yeah, Match Play Madness is what the group's called. Yeah, I got a bracket here. So Group A, which I think is out west, is Connor McCaig is in finals. Uh, Harry and I are going to play to see who goes to finals. And then Troy Whitten and Tucker Middleton are going to play this month to see who goes to finals. That'll be a good one. Then down by you guys, we have Charlie Holgram and Justin Muccelli. That's going to be a really good match. Curious where they're playing. I heard Justin only signed up for that region because he didn't want to play against you two, Jason and Harry. <laughs> <laughs> well, Charlie's pretty good, so good luck. Yeah, Charlie's pretty good. <laughs> You're not getting let off the hook there. Not at all. I mean, he did climb his way to get there he beat craig henninger justin beat craig uh to move on to charlie so i'm curious where they're playing i don't know i wouldn't be surprised if they play like fdr or um somewhere in between charlie's not just a a great disc golfer charlie is also a great match play player i could see that jason do you know what these numbers are to the right of your match versus steven sakari so it's like five and four that's the score so if I won five and four. Okay, okay, I wasn't sure because it shows that Charlie stomped out Hafner six and five. I just wasn't sure if that was what that was. Yeah. So then moving down in finals, Antonio is going to take on the winner of the Charlie Holcomb versus Justin Muccelli match. Oh wow! So that'll be good too. And is that uh, at a, at a set course, Jason, or is, or are they or are they still picking it? I think the finals are supposed to go out to Rochester. Okay. And then going. To whatever the other region is, we have Sam Castellone and Nathan 
Marazio. I don't I know of Sam. I don't know either of those players. And the winner of that goes on to play Casey Ganta, who I've heard really good things about. Uh, Tagasi's tearing up the in one field. So yeah, finals should all be in by the end of this month. I don't know what the total payout is, but it's pretty pretty steep. Yeah, so finals is at Parma out in Rochester. I, I thought that there was less registration than what he was hoping for, and I know he already had projected payouts of like first place getting paid a thousand dollars and second place getting paid like seven hundred bucks. But is that not the case, or you don't know? Everything was updated. Like he updated the charter to reflect the reduced numbers, and also moving some of the regions because there's some regions where he had a lot of interest, and other regions where he had none. Mm-hmm. So his original eight didn't work out and he kind of just tweaked it and he had some buys in there. So he did update the charter for the payouts. To be honest, I didn't think I would get super far into the thing. So I didn't really look into it too far. I should probably start reading it again and see where I'm going to be playing if, if I beat Harry. But Well, yeah, because I looked at it and I thought like if you got a certain distance into the bracket, you got your money back basically. But yeah, I think semifinals, you start getting paid. Yeah, well, that's fun. Yeah, I'll be interested to see if it uh, gains some traction and, and gets a little bigger next year because it, it seems like fun. It seems like a really good idea. I remember when I first started playing, uh, like maybe back in like 2018 or 19, 2019, someone, uh, uh, Mike Crawford, maybe he's not really around in the area anymore, at least playing disc golf. Uh, he did like a amateur match play bracket and like. The concept of it sounds really fun. Back then, I sucked, so I think I, I don't even yeah. know if I won the first match or not. But like, it'd be cool if there was more of that going on too. Like, I don't get me wrong; I love playing singles tournaments and, and stuff like that. But it's also yeah, like, the only time yeah. you get to play match play really is for team challenge and only half the day, right? If you're lucky. I found an updated graphic. Uh, first place is a thousand dollars. Second place is seven hundred. Third and fourth is 500, and places fifth through eighth is 250. So getting to semifinals gets you 250. So you've already locked in 250. Actually, look at the brackets confusing. No, I need to beat Harry to get 250. Oh, right. Yeah, cause, because some some groups didn't have like play-ins or bye weeks or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, he's using the site challenge.com for the brackets. I think what they label as semifinals and finals doesn't correlate with what he has mm. so like what i said was going to finals according to this website is actually going to what he called semifinals in his charter oh yeah like regional finals yeah yep yep exactly. yeah it's like regional, regional finals, finals exactly all right well that's gonna be a fun edit <laughs> 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 we haven't gone over it in a few weeks so i wanted to try and squeeze in some skip ace we're like 10 tournaments behind or something like that yeah, I've kind of and, forgot about it. And I probably made picks on half of them like a freaking idiot. <laughs> I should have had that jammer on there, too. I, I, I screwed that up. Eh. So we'll go back as far as Mind Kill, because I thought it would have been interesting with Mind Kill to see who did the best with the most amount of points left. I know I had 300 points remaining after I did my picks. Oh, yeah. Interesting. I'm going to go through these kind of quick because there's a few of them and it's just naming people. So Mind Kill, Jason Lasasso Star came in 24th. One ahead of him was his wife, Jess. Kristen McDonald in 22nd. Zach McDonald, 19. I came in 17th. One below Amp, Alex Potts. Jack had 14th. Formerly Mysterious AJ was tied for 11th with Cresci and Kenji. Ryan uh, came in 10th. Tied for 8th was Corey Cook and Joe Gaspardi. Four people tied for fourth. Brian Bickersmith, Brian Heller, Jamin Hume, and Mikey Bottles. Botles. And there was actually a tie for second 
Ryan Travis one four eight three four three, and Tim eight four six three two. So it's fitting that they tied. And Randy Bobandy came in first. Tim Moyer from PA. Huh, you think Ryan knows him? <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Silver Zoo Town Open presented by Inc. Realty Group, driven by Innova. That's a mouthful. Uh, Jason might have f- forgot about this one. Twentieth <laughs> place, Jason Lasasso Star, negative fifteen hundred points. Holy crap, that's hard to do. How do you pick five people? <laughs> How do you pick five people? Wait, what the heck? <laughs> what happened there? People got negative points. I picked six people. I think a lot of people dropped. You literally got the worst score possible. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. That's what got me too. Like I made my picks, you know, probably a couple weeks before. And then I showed up and I'm like, I have three or four people who shouldn't be, you know, negative 250 and are all just gone. So I, I wonder if they didn't drop or something. Did uh, Calvin not play that? He must not have because there's no way he'd get 250 in anything that he plays. <laughs> negative, negative 250. Like you kind of, I, I, I'm actually more impressed that you got negative 1500 than if you were to get like positive 1000. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, that's six people, negative 250. Yeah. That just wiped out like a few other events. Nah, it drops. That's, no, it'll that's drop easy it. drop. Yeah. Easy drop. All right. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Alex at a negative 685 only four people of his dropped mm. ryan at negative 399 he had one two three three drops Corey cook negative 307 in 15th place with three drops though hey not, not too shabby <laughs> wow jamin came in 11th and had a negative 127 points that's <laughs> how bad this was he had three people drop so it's fighting against the stream over here uh randy Bobambi in 10th we finally hit the positives 294 Cresci, Mikey Bottles, Spotless, Brian Bickersmith, Brian Heller, Blaine Mendriza, Mike Schwartz, Kristen McDonald in third, Shane Delemeter in second, and Ryan Travis, 148343, wins it with 1165. That was a the DGPT Silver Zoo Town Open presented by Inc. Realty Group, driven by Innova. And then we had the Dynamic Discs Open. Bickersmith, 21st, and last place with 148 points, positive, so... Things turned around pretty quick. Better showing all around, yeah. <laughs> For people that actually made picks. Yeah. Uh, Ryan came in 11th, top 10, Shane Delimiter. Ninth place, Tim from, you say Pennsylvania? Pennsylvania, yeah. PA Pennsylvania, 10. Tim in ninth. Yep. Frisbee in eighth. Haven't said that name in a while. Seventh place, Mikey Botlez. I keep saying that name. Randy Bobambi in sixth. Rob. Minnesota Rob, right? Uh, something east of the Mississippi. I mean, west. I mean, west. west. Of the Mississippi. East. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Schwartz in fourth, Jamin Hume in third. There must be something wrong because Jack Bradley's in second. Oh, what crap. the fuck? <laughs> yeah, and our negative uh, fifteen hundred guy. You said you'd be more impressed that he got negative fifteen hundred than if he got a thousand, and he got a thousand twelve. Yeah, Jason I'm still more impressed star. with the fifteen hundred <laughs> negative. Yeah, yeah, me too. I'm impressed by the twenty five hundred point gap. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> a big spread. Most <laughs> improved. Yeah, talk about a bounce back stat. Holy crap. Hmm. So overall, I'm in 26th, Corey Cook in 25th. He must have picked one more event than I did. <laughs> Jack in 23rd, Kenji 22nd, Jess 21st, Alex 18th, Ryan in 15th, Jamin 11th, Zach McDonald 10th overall, Minnesota Weast of the Mississippi, Rob in 9th, Jason Lasasso Star in 8th, Blaine Mendriza in 7th, Kristen McDonald in 6th. Wait a second. that's They're getting closer together. <laughs> 
I, I knew it was going to happen for those kids, yeah. yeah. Fifth place, Brian Bickersmith. Mike Schwartz in fourth. Ryan Travis, 148343 in third. And yes, I have it written on my whiteboard, so <laughs> I <never> <laughs> he, he took it off there, but I, I keep that. Second place, Mikey Botlez. And Brian Heller, who had to point out on Facebook that he is, in fact, in first place overall. All right. Been near the top in the last few. He is gunning yeah. heavily for that mystery box. Mm. I hope Brian likes beat up, chewed up DX leopards. Oh, come on. <laughs> and chicken feathers. <laughs> and chicken, chicken feathers. dead chickens. <laughs> it'll, yeah. go with, it'll go well with the end of a theme. Yeah. Feathered animals. Nissan grill full of chicken. <laughs> I'm going to take the Nissan emblem off the back bumper and toss that in there for him, too. Alex, I did want to ask you, the MVP Open Satellite Tournament, any news on that? I mean, anything that you wanted to mention or talk about? Registration closed on Thursday because they needed to, you know, allocate player specs and all that. So those are in transit to me now. As usual, as soon as registration closes, you get two or three messages saying, hey, I still <laughs> wanted to register. Can I get in? I assume everyone else experiences that because it always happens for me. Yep. No matter what tournament I'm running. Yeah. So we'll see if we can accommodate them, but they already backed up the registration. So I Mm -hmm. can't imagine they have enough time to ship everything out. Maybe they've shipped me a couple extras, but who knows? What's the cost on a player pack? It's like 120 bucks plus, you know, yeah. Yeah, Plus some processing. So it's, it's a chunk. I, I understand why they're, they're doing it this way. Yeah, yeah. My closest experience is like running ace races mm-hmm. where the cost is really quite low. And, uh, you know, the, the club will typically order 10 extra player packs to sort of cover it. But 10 extra player packs at uh, 150 bucks, that's some scratch. Yeah, definitely. Well, and that's like what most people are probably playing it for anyways. Like I'm I'm assuming most people signing up are assuming they're not going to win the grand prize of a freaking vacation to Maple Hill or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Right. Like like the value is the player's pack, like the bag, yeah. the disc, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's well over $200 worth of merchandise. Yeah. So I, I forgot about the player's pack part, but I was thinking it was like a, like a trilogy challenge where like I could see like, oh, yeah, you kind of need the player's pack because those are the discs you have to play with. Mm. But like if you didn't care about a player's pack, it seems like less of an issue to like sign up. But like that seems like the reason to sign up for the satellite thing is more or less for the player's pack. Well, I mean, it's still a rated round, right? You know, it's a standard two round tournament C tier effectively. Just the prizes are it's not going to be, you know, payouts to a local store or whatever. It's I got you. Yeah, there's a prize for first place in any given tournament. And then there's the grand prize, which is across all the tournaments. Yeah. The payouts aren't the same as like a regular C tier or something like that. And yours is is PDGA sanctioned event? Yep. Yep. Because uh, are they all? Yeah, I believe so. Okay. Well, this is the first one I'm running, you know, sort of directly with MVP. Mm-hmm. But I've had them sponsor, you know, the Sony Kill Scramble, which is coming up. September will be the fourth annual one of those. And I've done a couple of the tournament in a box type of things, you know, the circuit challenges, the trilogy challenges, that sort of thing. Tournament in a box. That's a good like that. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Corey, Jack, Alex, and Jason. All right. Thanks, Thanks, Pat. Thanks, Thanks, fellas. (laughs) There have been a couple of incidents of picnickers using disc golf baskets for their resources there's a famous one in fdr hole 15 uh someone had lined the thing with foil and charcoal and we're cooking a chicken <laughs> that's interesting roughly the same thing has happened out in hexer at long island although it was kebabs 
But Chris Lucier showed up to run the final week of his league on Sunday, and a family was setting up a big party on hole 17, and they had lined the basket, and they had filled it with desserts. <laughs> All right. The most I've seen is people using it, like personally, not just like memes on Facebook, is people using the baskets as a clothesline and also some weird eccentric place to leash your dog to. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I've seen kids climbing all over it. Yeah. But to think that, like, what did you see on QVC that made you think that a disc golf basket <laughs> is a fucking charcoal grill? Is a grill, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I want to interview those people. We should have those people on, Pat. We should yeah, get their names. Yeah, yeah but they're going to be really dumb, Corey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the ones that I've heard of were uh, non-English speakers. Okay, so there's, so there's a cultural gap there. That makes sense. So we'd need a translator. Yeah, yeah and there's a cultural gap, yeah. I know. Disc golf is barely big here. It can't be big everywhere. And that's a pretty recent thing. I didn't know what it was before 2013. So, I mean, that's a decade now, but. My neighbor across the street, I was just going to get the mail today. And he was like, oh, yeah, I was uh, flipping through the channels and I saw your Frisbee golf thing that you're talking about on one of the sports <laughs> channels. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's probably ESPN too, right? He's like, yeah, good to see that it's like getting big. I'm really happy for you. Oh, okay. Thanks, Jay. <laughs> Talk to you later. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, I, I don't think I, I definitely didn't know about it before uh, I moved to Albany and they had it. So, and that was only five years ago, six years ago. Hmm. At the time that I'm talking about, there were courses, but they weren't exactly in your face. Yeah, you know yeah what I mean? definitely not in your face. If you notice, I, uh, Jason, I, I finished editing. So if you wanted to take a look, uh, those two links, that's the front and the back nine for the mine kill. What? Yeah. I mean, it's not great, but it's much better than last year. Don't you know sure. you have eight months to do it based on the meme, <laughs> the meme yeah, between just... Jason and Brett's releases? Well, I wanted to drop the average. A bit. <laughs> yeah. Justin Richelli asked me actually on Saturday. He's like, hey, when do you think you'll have the video? So I'm like, oh, it's going to be months. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I said, it's not. It's much better than last year, though. I, I actually watched last year's to uh, maybe pull a couple clips here and there, and it was borderline unwatchable, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> I did I did scan through it a little bit, and there's a mm-hmm. severe lack of, like, loud color choices for shorts. I see a lot of, like, olive greens and black yeah. greens, but... There's not a lot of... You're, you're right. There's no pink. <laughs> yeah. Although, I did notice Cole's socks, and they were not Marlboro socks. <laughs> okay, the, the, that was a scumbody uh, misconception to begin with. Uh, anyways, they were not Marlboro <laughs> socks. They were Hoonigan socks that I got for buying some oil at Napa online. <laughs> and they just happened to be the same exact color scheme as a pack of Marlboro's. But they have holes in them now, so I think it's time for them to throw out. But, you know, you know how us, us, us guys are. We'll get, a, we'll get a few more miles out of them first. <laughs> There's a lot less uh, holes where it's just showing somebody throwing a disc. You'll actually see where they most if not all land or have at least a good idea of where they all land. There was one time where the comp- the camera overheated, but it was already on its way down. It's much, much improved from last year. Hopefully at least. Let's you check t- this out later. Yeah. When, when you get him, you know, no rush. Just fast forwarding the whole 16. I want to see my throne. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh I, I actually, I did a little flashback on that one. I just saw that. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. And, that, and that's what made me realize how different the quality is too. Like, yeah, that, that one looked really 
One thing I was surprised about hole 16 is I thought that that tee pad was going to get absolutely destroyed by mud, at least during the pro side. I was surprised that like it retained as much grip as it had. I was doing the, the catch cam on 15. They were actually dumping uh, mulch on, on the 16 near the tee pad. Oh, really? Like during the tournament. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was funny. Yeah, actually, Brinster mentioned that right before pro side. He's like, yeah, a little like, concerned about the clay building up on this because there's just so much earthwork done around it recently. And I was like, well, I can't really have anything done in the middle of the tournament. So mm. the park was, they were able to do that during the amp side. They put, I don't know how many buckets or truckloads of wood chips down, but there's a whole path around the tee pad going up now. It's really nice. Yeah, it made it difficult for filming, but that was about 53rd on a list of issues. So, <laughs> Come on, Jason, throw the disc already. I've been trying to watch this shot. Oh, there it goes. <laughs> oh, Okay, I'd set it to the 16th row in real quick. <laughs> it's on my third shot, not, sorry. No, no, wait, was Coles for two or three? Oh, well, it was different then. Right, 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 it was different yeah, then. It was. But it's, it is funny that it's the same exact spot, and you did it right in front of Coles' face. <laughs> <laughs> and you were on your knees, so uh, he was standing. <laughs> Classic Jason. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I get that a lot. Actually, was it the, oh, I don't know if it was the round Pat filmed or not, but... Dan Agner just kept calling me out on that because I was putting from a knee or two knees a lot, and he just kept making fun of me for it. <laughs> that was 16, 15. You were on your knees. Yep, I, I, dude. I, I mean, I'm with you, man. I think I spent, I think I spent half my mind kill tournament on my goddamn knees, and that's not something I want to say publicly, but it's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, 17. Your second shot was from a knee. So yeah, three three holes in a row right there. But it's also not just my kill. I feel like I get poison ivy a lot, and I get it on my knees probably more than anywhere else because I feel like uh, maybe it's just how I play these days or what. But like, it seems like I'm always like putting from my goddamn knee. Maybe and maybe because I'm like I don't know what the average disc golf player is or, or or who they had in mind when they were making the baskets. But maybe six foot tall is just slightly too tall, so we're always trying to go down to a knee. But I mean, my kill has all those little branches you're trying to put underneath too. But it's like oh yeah, another another putt from the knee. Yeah, I can tell you as a uh, relatively short guy, I never go to my knees. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, uh, what, you're like eight feet tall. How often do you go on your knees? <laughs> He's still too tall from his knees. That's the problem. He's got to lay down. Yeah, that's. Yeah. <laughs> he just goes I, over I, the trees. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the times that does end up being an option is just find a different gap instead of trying to go underneath. But yeah, once once or twice around, more at mine kill, especially with those low hanging pine, pine trees, branches. Yeah. But yeah, I try to avoid it whenever I can. A lot of the times I just have the standard step out as opposed to having to go underneath something because I can step out a foot more than most some people. Right. Yeah, this is degraded to a watch party now, right? <laughs> no, I stopped. Well, I, 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 I stopped. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I already saw it, so I'm good. I heard I'm throwing. Watch anything so later. I had to see what, what the throwing was all about. 